Hang on. I'm coming. There we go. Am I good? Besides... Try again. There. There we go. Am I working? That was a great start. <laughs> All right. I'm going to start off with an introduction, kind of a little bit more of the practicality. Jason did a lot more talking about. What was going on in the conference, the theme of the conference was really, you know, worship and conservative worship and a case for why are we conserving traditional music. That was kind of the whole theme, and Jason kind of focused more on that aspect. I'm going to be a little bit more practical, but I'm going to, we're going to get into some Bible, too. I'm going to spend, I'm going to use up the rest of his time that he didn't use this morning. No, hopefully not. Hopefully it won't take too long. I would tell you a little bit how the conference was laid out, how we, uh, I'm going to try to preach from my tablet here. We'll see how well that goes. I got my notes too, but we'll... Uh, as far as who all was there, well, uh, it was hosted by uh, Herbster. Mike Herbster? Or Mar- I mix up the two twin brothers. Was it Mike? I don't remember. Mike Herbster. And he's with Maranatha Baptist Bible College now. And uh, a lot of his family was there. Pretty much most of the people who are involved in music in our circles, the churches we would go to, were there. And it was, it was just amazing to see people and talk to people you've heard. You've listened to them sing. We never met them. You know, we, we got to meet some of those people. Uh, many of the pastors that we know from like-minded churches up in Kansas where we take the kids to camp, I got to see many of them, Pastor Byford, Pastor Heffernan, Marcus Heffernan. Uh, I got to see John, Pastor John Heffernan. I didn't know they were going to be there, but they were, they were there. And uh, Peter Davis. How many of you remember Peter Davis? He was there. He just started a little... Um, I'll get that in a second. He just started up his own website, and he's uh, putting out his own music now. And I was his first customer on his new website. I actually got to test it. We put it in and ordered it, and it wasn't working. He called his tech guy, and then they changed something. And we put in the first order. So that was kind of cool. But, and I bought, uh, we'll sing that sometime, one of his songs. How, did it, how, did it, how was it laid out? What was going on? We had nine main sessions, so we would come in, and each day, the first day we just had one session in that evening. A typical day would be, you come in early in the morning, there'd be a, a main session where there would be like a regular service, singing. It was amazing to have hundreds and hundreds of people there singing, and most of them were people who either were in choir or song leaders, so it was really good, powerful singing from the congregation, and we'd have special music, and then we would have one of the main sessions. And then we'd break out, and there was, there'd be anywhere from five to six, seven, seven you had a choice, <laughs> go to one of these places. And I wanted to go to all of them, couldn't go to all of them, but most of them have been recorded, so I've been going back and listening to those. Uh, there was more information there. Uh, my, my notes are basically a skeleton of me trying to, you know, throw stuff on there, and I hope I don't, I'm going to be, like, going out into all these different thoughts. But I'm, hopefully this will keep me put together here. It was wonderful. It was amazing. Thank you for, uh, for sending me. Something I've wanted to do, but... It does cost a bit of money, and I'm thankful that the church paid for me to go. Uh, I'm going to cover kind of two thoughts tonight. Music. I'm not, like Jason said, I'm not going to try to cover an aspect of what is good music, what's bad music. I'm going to more be covering the idea of what is the purpose of music. What is the church church's purpose? What are we doing with music? I, first, I have the church has, we have a different purpose than the world when it comes to the music we put out, and then the Christian's offering of praise. And I'll explain that in a second when we get down to that one. But first of all, if you want to take your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. That's where we're going to be at for the most part. We'll move around a couple other places. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. While you're turning there, I'm just going to talk a little bit here. Uh, what is the purpose of music? Well, if you're going to go outside the church... You know, it, it is one of the arts. What's another art? Painting. Let me think of another art. You know, sculpturing, drawing, all, all kinds of things. 
There's some things that I wouldn't call art that people call art, but I guess it's an art. <laughs> you have to listen, Jason and I, we did a, a podcast talking about beauty is in the eye of the beholder. What does that mean? Is that true? We kind of talked about that. The in, what is the inherent beauty of something? And to some degree, there is there's subjectiveness, but there is, that was a big point at the conference. What are the commonalities across all cultures and all arts? What makes something beautiful or not beautiful? But I'm, I'm not going to cover that. What is art? What is the purposes of art? Why do people make things? Why do we create? Now everybody's creative. Some people, uh, you know, if you want them to create something, they're like, let me go back to my numbers over here, and I, I'm happy there. Don't ask me to make something. Don't ask me to draw something. But it does, what, when we make art, when we produce something, what are we doing? One, it's, it shows skill. Some people may do art because they want people to see what they can do. They want people to see how good I can draw, or how well I can sing. Another purpose for art is it replicates beauty. We see something and we want to reproduce it, or we want to preserve something, uh, like uh, drawing. Now we got cameras. Everybody's got a camera on their phone. You can just pull it out, take a picture. Uh, I almost feel like we got too many pictures now. It's, I'll, 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 st I'll see something. I'll be like, oh, that's a beautiful sunrise. Take a picture. Everybody's taking pictures of that same sunrise. It's on everybody's phone somewhere. It's floating around the internet. You could just say, I want a picture of beautiful sunrise. Go find it on the internet. But everybody's taking pictures. But in the, in the old days, how did you do it? Somebody had to draw it. Somebody had to sit down and painstakingly paint out a replica of people, draw them out. Uh, it's used for entertainment. Arts are used for entertainment. Uh, an interesting uh, note somebody said, and I thought this was a really good quote. I, uh, he said, art manifests the inner beliefs of a culture. So what, people, what you make shows a lot about what you think, your philosophy of life. And that's, that goes for music as well. But I want to focus in on this idea of the entertaining uh, a little bit more. What is, how is art entertaining? Well, it can be funny. And if you think about music, have you heard a clever song? Uh, I've, I've heard some clever songs, they just make you laugh. You know, that, that's their aim. Their aim is for it to be a funny song. It can be funny. Uh, sometimes it takes you on a journey. Uh, I like musicals. I don't know if anybody likes music. I don't like all music. There's, like a, there's been a million of them written. Uh, this is a, I'm sidetracked here, but think about how many things have been written, how many books have been written, how many uh, you know, movies have been made, TV shows. There's just scads of it out there. It's like, how could anybody ever keep track or see any of it or read any of it? Uh, I used, to, and I'll make this point while I'm here, I used to kind of, my mind's been changed. When I was thinking about music and, and churches, it's, I kind of had this idea that I don't, why would I ever write music? We've got plenty of it out there. But we do need new music, we need good music. And if, nobody, if everybody had my philosophy, then there'd be no new music. So I think my philosophy's wrong. Uh, and I've been really encouraged, and you know, this conference really has fired me up to do more musically. Try to write some things arrange some things. But anyway, music takes you on a journey. And it, when it comes to musicals, uh, that's really what they're trying to do. And not every song in there, sometimes you'll have a musical and there's like one song, everybody loves that one song. It stands alone. But there's other songs where they're not, you know, they're not a standalone song. You just don't go singing that song. They're, they're part of that story. They're taking you on a journey. And music, it can entertain you because it's, it pulls you, it, music evokes emotion. Music can sing about emotion. It can also evoke and pull emotion out of us. And that's why people like it. That's why there's so much, that's why there's, you know, every high, you know, high school has a bunch of kids getting together in somebody's garage, putting a band together. Why, you know, why are there so many, rec you know, records? You know, they're coming back to records now. People are, they're burning records again. Some people think that that is the purest form of sound. So they're actually making vinyl records and making them again for people and making record players. But why is music such a big industry? Because it's, it's entertaining. But what about the church? What is the purpose of music in the church? Well, clearly, it's going to be radically different than the purposes of music for just for the world, for your own sake, for entertainment's sake. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 14 here. I've got to wake up my Bible. Let me see. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to be in verse 14. This is a list of things here, and you're going to see, we're going to pick up and get down to where I want to be here. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, 
and Christ shall give thee light. See then that thou walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to stop right there. In the New Testament, this is one of two passages that are very similar, and they really are the main passages in the Bible about music. In the Old Testament, you're going to find a lot of passages, a lot more passages, and there are more passages, but many of the passages in the Bible are just saying, so-and-so sang, so-and-so blew a trumpet. You're not going to find very many verses that say, now here is how church should do music. You're not going to find that in the Bible. When we come to the New Testament, there are a few more passages, and we're going to go to another key passage here. I mean, Ephesians and, uh, and Colossians 3, those are the two that mirror each other. We're going to see what they say here. And what people usually look at is that phrase right there, uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And that's in verse, where is it, 19? Yeah, speaking to yourselves. Look at verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, every time I've heard this preached, I always hear everybody focus in on the psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I'm going to take just a moment, but this is really not the key in this passage. Then we're going to go to the other passage in Colossians to emphasize this. So what, did anybody, uh, you probably wouldn't notice, why would you have noticed? In the song service, we sang three songs, and I picked the three songs for a reason. Because I wanted to try to, for us to sing one each, a psalm, a hymn, and a spiritual song. Now, we don't actually have any of the psalms in our hymnal. But the song that I chose, what was the first song we sang? Anybody remember? Be Thou Exalted. That was the first song. That comes from Psalm chapter, at least there's part of it anyway. It comes from the Psalm 57. Let me go there here. Verse 5. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. Now, a psalm is pretty obvious. What's a psalm? It's from the book of the Psalms. They were the song book for the Old Testament, for the Jews. Was, you know, we have our book. We got 600 in there. Some hymnals have close to a thousand, and there's more than that. There's so many songs that were written. But for the, the Hebrews, that was their songbook. That's what a hymn is. But what is, uh, that's what a psalm is. What's a hymn? The way we categorize it today, it's a song singing about God. Praise to God. What was our second song? How Great Thou Art. That's the second song we sang. It was a song of praise to God. That's a hymn. And then the last one, spiritual songs, that's normally re referred to as a category of songs about life. We're not singing necessarily to God or about God, but we're singing about our life experience and what God has done for us. What was the last song we sang? Jesus led me all the way. That's a testimony. That's me singing about what Jesus has done for me to somebody else. Now, that's how it's normally categorized, and that's not a bad categorization. That's pretty much the way we have music today. That's not really, I don't know that that's what people in early history, in early church history, that's not, what did, what did they call a hymn? I don't know if they, they called a hymn is what we would call a hymn. Probably not. I don't think that's the main focus of this passage. The main fo focus of this passage is gives us a clue about what is the purpose of church in music. The focus should be that we are, what does it say in the verse? We're supposed to sing to each other. And then we're going to look at uh, another passage here. Where does it say to sing to each other? Anybody see that? Speaking to yourselves, does that mean we're standing in a corner and talking to ourselves? Come to church and everybody go off and just sing to yourself. No, that's not what it's talking about. We're supposed to be singing. Does it mean we're supposed to be standing in the foyer and then, you know, Jason and I are talking and then he'll just randomly burst out and sing a song at me? I don't think that's what it's talking about. We are singing, but it's who the singing is to. Now, the Old Testament is full of passages, sing praise to God. So this, I'm not saying this is the only purpose of church and music. Is really twofold. We're singing to God. It's an offering of praise to God. That's what the choir was singing, the song we sang. I worship you, not you, God. It's a song of worship to God. But also, there can be songs that are singing to each other. So we're supposed to be singing to each other. 
why. Why do we sing to each other and how do we sing to each other? I'm going to focus on the why. I've got a, a quote here from Captain Obvious. It's commanded. Obviously, or he said, do it. It's commanded. Sing to each other. But now we're going to go to Colossians 3. We get a little bit more information here in Colossians chapter 3. I'm stealing a lot of this from uh, Doug Backrick, by the way. I got, I'm saying it in my own way and put some of my own thoughts in there, but a lot of these notes are his. I encourage you to go back and listen to all those main sessions. Or maybe you might want to skip the one on aesthetics. That one went over my head too. But <laughs> Go back and listen to those. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. This is another list, and in that list, let the, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So we get a little bit more information here, don't we? Same phrase, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, but what, what's added? Singing one to another, we got that in the first passage, but now what's added? teaching, and admonishing. So our music, our singing, should include teaching and admonishing. I think that would knock out a lot of songs that have been written nowadays. There's a lot of fluffy songs that are far more aimed at entertainment than they are at teaching and admonishing. If you want to ask, how do you know a good song from a bad song? In church, anyway, there's a, there's a good one right there. What is, what is the song doing? Is the song saying anything, or is it just making me feel emotional? I'm not saying we shouldn't have emotion. We're going to get to that here in a minute about emotions. But there's a lot of churches and a lot of music. It's all emotion. People think they have experienced God. I went to church. It was amazing. I felt God's presence. No, you felt a chord progression. That's, it wasn't God's spirit. Now, I'm, I'm going to get more into that in a little bit here. Uh, I need to stick with my notes. Why? It's commanded. Why? It's for sanctification. We use music and songs to put God's truth in our minds. Uh, I grew up listening to Patch the Pirate. How many of you listen, have ever listened to Patch the Pirate Adventure? <laughs> most of us. Maybe, maybe not everybody, but most of us. Uh, these, these were full of songs that were full of teaching and ammunition for children. It was all in there. Uh, one of his first songs he ever wrote. My mom has a video of me somewhere as a little boy singing Jonah. You know that song? Jonah, Jonah did not obey God immediately. Jonah, Jonah, down in the depths of the deep blue sea. Anybody know that? Or are just looking at me blankly? <laughs> I want was a video of me, and it was a fish, it was some ride somewhere. It was fish. You know, it just goes around in a circle and goes up and down. I was like Kenny's age, maybe younger, five years old, four years old. And I was, when the whale went up, I'd go, Jonah. And when the fish went down, I'd go, Jonah. But, uh, you know, it was a song of teaching because what? It gets, it gets these stories in your head. It's a lot easier to memorize things if they're put to music. Uh, psalm 119, that's, that's the whole point of that psalm. It was written to teach the Hebrew alphabet. I don't know if you knew that, but every, there's every, every eight verses, if I remember correctly, every eight verses, every verse starts with the, that letter of the alphabet. So the first letter is Aleph, and the first eight verses in Hebrew all start with Aleph. And so that, that section put to music, we don't know what the music was, it was to teach the Hebrew alphabet. So music can be used to teach, learn things, help get it in your head. It can also be used for admonition. I have another, another Patch of Pirate song. Uh, uh, Rise and shine, lazy sleepyhead. You know that song? Rise and shine, lazy sleepyhead. Get those lazy bones out of the bed. Rise and, you know, that's admonition. Get out of bed. Get going. We don't have too many admonition songs in, uh, for adults, do we? Maybe we need some. Most of, our, most of our songs are praise to God or encouraging. We don't have too, too many that are like, do this or God's going to get you. God's going to punish you. We don't have much of that. There's, there is some of that in the Psalms. Maybe I need to write an admonition song. I don't know. But that's what, we're supposed to, that's what our music's supposed to be doing. It is supposed to be communication to each other. When we get together and the congregation is singing, when the, someone is standing here and giving a, I really like this. Somebody, you know, I've called it special music my whole life. I don't know who started that phrase, but it's been used forever, special music. One of the pastors said, we shouldn't call it that. We should call it, why is it more special than anything? Well, obviously because it's been worked on. Somebody has spent time, more time than just congregational singing. They said, we should use a more Bible term like a 
off, uh, what was it, what's the word, Jason? Sacrifice of praise or offering of praise? He said musical offering, but what we were talking about, it's in the Bible. Sacrifice of praise. Uh, so does it matter? You know, I don't think we're in sin if we say special offering. But maybe we could be a little more pointed in what we're doing. Because that's what it is. When somebody stands up here and they've spent time and prepared, I'm getting ahead in my notes, they're, they're, they're giving a sacrifice to God. But when we're singing in the congregation, we are, we're, we're singing to God, but we're also singing to each other. And the goal is sanctification. Oh, there was another psalm I skipped. It's Psalm 89. We won't go there for time. Psalm 89 had, was a, had some admonition in it. I was going to, I, I had kind of lazily slapped it together with lazy, uh, rise and shine, lazy, sleepy head. But I was going to sing Psalm 89 to it, but we won't do that for sake of time. Uh, but it does say in there, my mercy will I keep for him forevermore, and my covenant shall stand fast with him. But if his children forsake my law, I will visit their transgressions with the rod. That was a song that they sang. How many of our hymns have, God will visit our transgressions with the rod? I don't think we have any <laughs> that are admonition. But what is the point? What are we trying to accomplish with our music? It shouldn't be the same as outside the church. What is the goal outside the church? Is it fun? Is it entertaining? Is it beautiful? Does it mean we, we can't, can we never have those things? No, but we have a, a higher purpose for our music. So that's some of the why. What about the how? Well, for the how, come back tomorrow at 8 o'clock for the first uh, session. We're, do, we're doing a music session next week, and we'll... Uh, no, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> what I'm saying is it's going to take, uh, take way too much time. To, there was so much good stuff there. Once again, go back and listen to a lot of that. But I'm, gonna, I'm basically going to steal right out of Brother Backrick's notes here. He, he used the illustration of a motorcycle, because he, he's a missionary in the Philippines. He's been here. He was here in 2019, end of 2019. I don't know if you remember uh, Brother Backrick, but he's been a missionary in the Philippines for a long time. He, music's been his thing, and he teaches at it's Bob Jones Memorial University in the Philippines, and he teaches music there, and he's teaching music to students who are then going out and being the pastors in all these churches teaching them how to do music so they can lead music ministries in their churches. And he traveled quite often on a motorcycle to get to places. There are villages you just can't get to in a car. Now, he admitted that he, he likes motorcycles. He says he, he owns a Harley Davidson. Well, I don't know if he said he owns one. He said he likes them. He said, but even a Harley Davidson would not be the right vehicle for what he needed to do because to get into some of these villages and some of the little paths and the muddy ruts he has to drive through, he needs a very specific kind of motorcycle that will get him there. And what he's trying to get at is he's using that whole motorcycle trip as a picture of music in a church. What is the goal? What is the destination? The destination, for him, you know, he's getting to a village. For us, what is the destination? Sanctification. Be more like Christ. Obviously, it's not the only point of the church. The only point of the church is not just sanctification. It's not the only goal, but it is a goal, sanctification. And the only goal, it's not the only means of reaching sanctification. Music is not the only way. The only way you're going to get sanctified is by listening to music. We're not saying that, but it is a vehicle. For him, what was the vehicle? Motorcycle. What is the vehicle for us? We're using music to get to the destination. And then he mentioned, what is the fuel? If you want to say, what drives the engine? The Holy Spirit. If you go back to Ephesians chapter 5, go ahead and flip back over there. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, that's where we were at. But what was the verse right before it? What is the context? Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Verse 18 is a contrast. Wine can control you, don't be controlled by wine. Don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. And when we're filled with the Spirit, what is the result? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. The Holy Spirit drives everything. If we're walking in the Spirit, if we are living in the Spirit, if we are in church and singing, not because it's a duty, not because, well, it's time to stand up, uh, you know, we, we tend to do the same schedule all the time. I'm actually thinking about a new schedule for how to run the church service. But 
what happens? It's like time to stand up, time to sit down, time to pray, time to sing again, time to sit down. And, you know, it does become a rut. And it's not that that is terrible that we do the same thing all the time. But I, I, I've had this happen to me where it's like I'm not even thinking about singing. I'm not walking in the spirit. I'm not engaged in the singing I'm not being edified. I'm not being made more like Christ. I'm not learning from the music. That's what needs to be happening. Without the Holy Spirit, this is all, all this effort, all this music, everything we've done is going to fail. So what's the destination? Christ-likeness. What's the vehicle? Music. What's the fuel that's going to get there? It has to be the Holy Spirit. It can't be, you know, if we just have amazing music. This is, this is what a lot of big churches are doing. I'm not... I'm not saying every big church has everything wrong. Uh, you know, they, they, their heart's in the wrong place. Maybe their heart, their heart probably is in the right place. But a lot of times, I think the motivation is you've got to find music that's so powerful and amazing, people want to come here. And there's a few problems with that. One problem being if people come for the music, then they're not coming because they want to know more about, more about God. There's a lot of people that are very shallow in Christianity. They may not even be saved. They're just spiritual. I think there's a real movement in America of spiritualness. People are looking for spirituality all over the place. They're looking for it in mushrooms. There's people, there's people that believe you take enough, uh, the right kind of drugs, you're going to break into another spiritual realm. And people, are, people, they're looking for spirituality to come from all kinds of places. They're open to it. And some people, a lot of people are, I feel like, you know, maybe American churches have diminished over time, but there's, there's been this reawakening of, they've left the church, but they haven't left this idea that there's more to life than just this. There's an afterlife. There's, there's something else out there. And we need to reach those people. But if we get them to come to our church just because we have, you know, rock'em, sock'em, loud music and a laser light show, then I don't think we have the Holy Spirit helping us to do that. Now, I need to get back to my notes. I'm, I went astray. We have, why have we continued conservative traditional music? We have continued to conserve traditional music, not because we don't like change. Well, maybe some people don't like change. <laughs> my, my sister doesn't like change. I can, maybe, maybe she's changed over the years. But I remember when, when we were younger, closer to college age, she, just, she didn't like anything. She wanted, she I think she would have liked it if everything would have stayed the same forever. Like if our family, like at a certain point, nobody got any older and it just stayed that way. You know? All her friends at church, everybody stayed the same age, and that was just eternity. You know? Nothing changes. Uh, some people may not like that. Some people like church to be the same forever. I, I remember when uh, Jerry Savinsky was here last. Something he said that really struck me was that when he went to a church, he went to a Baptist church, he couldn't believe how noisy people were. And I was like, I said, noisy? and he explained it. I don't know if you remember him saying this. He said, you know, people would be sitting there, and somebody over there would cough, and somebody over there would, like, tap his foot on the floor. Because he grew up going to churches where it was just deathly silent. Nobody dared make a noise. I don't know what, I remember what kind of church he said he went to, Lutheran or, or something, but it was just, everybody was so serious in the service. Nobody made a noise. And we went to Baptist church. People were laughing, people were smiling and, and uh, making all kinds of noise and coughing. And he, it, he, had, he had in his head the idea of what church was supposed to be like. And I think sometimes we have an idea that this is what a church service is supposed to be like. It's the way it's always been. It's the way I grew up in. And don't change it now. And my thought is, if we need to be more like what the Bible says, what does the Bible say about music? What's the point of music? It's supposed to be edifying. The words in it are supposed to be teaching us God's truth. And it's supposed to be admonishing us. And if we're not doing that, then we need to change. And if your reason for not changing is, well, I don't like change, well, then that's, that's not a good reason. I'm not saying we should just change everything. But why have we continued to conserve traditional music? It is because it fits what we're trying to accomplish. We're trying to accomplish growth in people's lives. I already, I kind of got ahead of my notes. I already said this part. Oh, I'll mention this. In his example of the motorcycle trip, not every vehicle is suited for every trip. And I, I kind of already made that point. But why don't we have... Uh, I can, I can remember a song that was sung in West Virginia. My wife and I were in West Virginia. It was the man who was there who was the song leader. He'd been there for a very long time. 
and his granddaughter came to visit from college, and she sang a song. And it wasn't a terrible song. It wasn't awful, but it was very shallow. There was, the words were very general. There wasn't much in it that was from the Bible even. And I was, I was just kind of surprised that it was allowed to be sung. But uh, you know, what is the purpose? It shouldn't just be for us. To, it shouldn't be for me or anybody else to stand here and say, look at, look at how great I can sing. It shouldn't be, well, we've got to find the most amazing song ever. Now, I'm going to get into this, the Christian's offering of praise, and talk a little bit about how, you know, what are we striving for? What, what is the Christian's praise offering? What must it be? It must be in accordance with God's prescriptions of worship. And that was the morning message. Jason talked about God, His will, what He has prescribed. This is how I'm to be worshipped. So I'm not, I'm not going to mess with that. But our offerings of praise, when we come together and we sing, it must be in accordance with God's prescription of worship. Secondly, it must be a sacrifice. I'm just going to read the verse here without turning to it. 2 Samuel 24, 24. This is King David speaking. You'll remember this story. Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. If you remember this story, David numbered the people. And God came to it. Well, it's a very long story. So God was already angry with Israel. And so when David numbered the people, it it already been said, you know, put your trust in chariots, don't put your trust in horses, don't trust numbers. We could go back and look, we're not going to take the time. But it was wrong for David to put, he was putting his trust in the numbers of his people. And his right-hand man, his general, Joab, said, David, why are you doing this? Who cares how many men you have? The Lord will take care of us. But David said, no, number the people. Numbers the people, and then God sends a prophet to tell David, you were wrong in numbering the people. And then God sends, he gives him a choice. Without telling the whole story, David says, I, you know, I, I will, I'll take the pestilence from God because I'd rather fall in God's hands and fall in God's mercy than on the mercy of enemies. But after a time of plague and pestilence, Dave, uh, another message is sent to David. Another prophet tells David, give this sacrifice, such and such sacrifice. He goes to give the sacrifice, and he goes to a, a man, and he goes to buy from him some oxen and, a, and some material on his land to build this altar. And that man says, King David, take it freely. Do whatever you will. And David said, no, I'm not going to give this sacrifice. I'm not going to give an offering and a sacrifice to God that was free. And I want to apply this thought to our music. Music, our offering to God, must be a sacrifice. It's going to be a sacrifice of time. Uh, not everybody in this church is involved in the music ministry, and that's okay. If everybody was involved in the music ministry, then who would we sing to? You know, who would be out there in the pew being encouraged by, you know, I guess it wouldn't be the end of the world. If the whole church was in the choir, we'd all just praise God. I mean, that'd be okay. I'd be all right with that. But not everybody can sing, and we're going to get into that in a little bit later here. But for those that are in the music ministry, it takes time. And when you have a family... My wife and I, we've got six kids. Jason's got four kids. Tracy, you've got four now. You know, you, you come to church in the morning. You, you get through the service. You go home, get the kids lunch, get down for a nap. When you wake them up from a nap, you get them dressed again, go to choir practice. And then you stay late after church. You're working on another. You know, time is a time practice. Time to practice music in church is at a high premium. We're always looking. For, okay, we're, we'll practice after the service. Oh, somebody else is practicing. And then we only have so many piano players. You know, it could be a lot of work and be a lot of stress. It takes time. If, it, if we want it to be excellent, it takes time. There's a sacrifice involved. If you are involved in music ministry, I would say take heart. It does take time. It is stressful. But it, that's what's required for an offering to God. It should cost you something. It shouldn't be something you can just come in, walk up here and do, and then walk out and it was free. No, it's an offering to God. A sacrifice to God, it must, uh, it must be a sacrifice of time and a sacrifice of our emotions. And I'm going to talk a little bit about being passionate. And I don't have time to go into this in high detail, but there was a lot of uh, the sessions talked about emotion. So we are a whole being, 
Everything we do should involve our whole being. We shouldn't lock one thing away. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been part of this my whole life. I've, I've, been to, uh, you know, I've been to college. I've heard many messages. I've been to many churches. I traveled in a quartet. Been to many different churches. Heard a lot of preaching. Heard a lot of preachers. Quite often I would hear, you know, people kind of teasing, joking about Pentecostals. You know, why? Because, you know, what, what joke will be thrown out? It'll be something to the effect of... Uh, I almost went Pentecostal like because I got excited. Maybe the preacher was we were singing a song, and then in the middle of the song, like "How Great Thou Art." I get I tend to get a little excited with "How Great Thou Art." I like that song, and uh, but somebody will somebody might actually shout "Amen," and somebody will be like, "Oh, so they got a little Pentecostal back there," and then we chuckle. But why do we chuckle? Because Baptists we're, we're kind of not known for being very emotional, are we? We tend to just sit back and not say anything. And maybe some of that came from a reaction, I, I don't know for sure, a reaction to we don't want to be too emotional. And it's true, we, don't, we, we, we want our, our time when we come to this service to worship God, we don't want to fake emotion. Music can drum up emotion, and you can use music to become emotional, but we, that shouldn't be the focus. And so I think we've like reacted and come so far the other way, now we just, we just keep emotion out altogether. But one of the things that was really focused on was we are... That is a part of us. We're a three-part person, mind, will, and emotion. The, the, the logic comes in, the mind part comes in with the text. The, the words we're singing, those are important. That's where the doctrine is. That's where the teaching and admonishing comes in. Where the music comes in is the emotion. If we're going to get rid of emotion, then we should just get rid of the music. Honestly, we should just read poems. Just read the Bible, read nice poems, get rid of the music. Uh, throughout time, people have struggled with this aspect of music. How much is too much emotion? You think back all the way back to some of the older music. We, we, we listen to that. We're like, oh, the Gregorian chants from the you know, 1500s. They're so boring. Uh, I, I did a music paper in college on Philip B. Bliss, and uh, he went to a YMCA meeting. Uh, old YMCA used to be. Does everybody know what YMCA stands for? Maybe older people know what it stands for. The Young Men's Christian Association, and it used to be a Christian organization is not anymore. But he went to one of these meetings, and they were singing, and he was so disappointed with the singing and how, how boring and dull it was. He jumped up and by himself stood, stand up for Jesus very vigorously. And uh, a lot of people liked that. They said, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we don't like this old, boring singing. What am I driving at? What I'm driving at is, uh, I, you know, I've kind of derailed myself, but emotion needs to be there, but it shouldn't be fake. Understand what I'm saying? We need to be real. Our worship needs to be real. And music can drum up fake emotions in us. Now, does that mean we shouldn't have any emotion in our music? No, I'm not saying that either. The two need to be balanced together. The truth and the logic needs to be bound in with the emotion. And there's a lot of music out there. It, it's Once it's written, when somebody writes a song, it's like, what are they trying to do with that song? Where is it? What is the truth of it, and where is the emotion pushing you? And there's a lot of music out there that's not bad, but it's not accomplishing the goal that we wish to accomplish. So if when we come, I, I kind of went back into an older point, but getting back to the sacrifice part, music must be a sacrifice, a sacrifice of our time and a sacrifice of our emotions. What do I mean by a sacrifice of our emotions? We need to care about it. We can only really truly care about a limited number of things. I think this is another problem in America. I have this problem. I'm addicted to information. I got this computer in my pocket. I can go on YouTube and I, I can learn about anything I want. And it's like, I know, I know a million facts about 100,000 different hobbies. I don't know how to do any of them, but I know a lot about them. And everybody's interested in everything. And we're, our minds are so fractured like we don't really care about those things. We can only really truly care and pour our lives into a limited amount of things. But for some people, it's just their family, you know, their job, their family, and then whatever their hobby is, whether it's sports. You, know, they, you work a job, and then you, you take care of your family, and you say, well, I love this ball team, so I, you know, I, I go, you know, I buy the season tickets, and I go. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. I'm just, what I'm trying to give an example of is we only have a limited number that we can really pour our passions into. And when it comes to music in the church, I feel like it, it becomes one of the last things. Even for somebody like me, 
went to Bible college to study music, and I've been involved in music my whole life. It can become just a chore and a duty, the thing I've got to do, and where's the passion? Something one of the speakers said at the, at the meeting was, uh, professionals out in the world, sacred music, have more passion for their music than Christians do. Perhaps, you know, they're getting paid for it. You know, if I was getting paid to just write Christian music, I might have a little more time and, and passion to put into it. Uh, I can understand that a little bit. But even then, sometimes you watch these, you know, some of the best violin players in the world, and you just watch them play. And no music. they got their eyes closed, and they are one with that violin and the music that they're playing, and they love it, and they're passionate about it. Our music needs to have emotion. It needs to have, if we're going to give a sacrifice to God, it needs to be passion. And that passion is going to result in a couple things. Uh, oh, here, let's go with this part right here. Obviously, when we come to church, not everybody is singing in the choir. Not everybody's singing specially. Nobody's playing the piano. Everybody's playing an instrument. Some people can't sing very well. You're in the congregation. Even out there in a congregation, you feel like, I just really don't sing very well. You don't have to raise your hand and admit it, but just in your own heart, how many of you would say, you know, I, I don't sing very well, so I just don't really sing? And that's okay. You don't have to be Pavarotti. You don't have to be David Parker. But I don't think you should let that be an excuse for you not to be excited about offering music to God. One of the, uh, one of the speakers made a comment about poetry. And he said, if you don't like poetry, you're wrong. <laughs> his, his point was, it's all through the Bible. God is using poetry. God has ordained poetry to pass on his truth. If you don't like poetry, uh, you're going to struggle with that. So maybe if you say, ah, I don't like poetry, maybe you need to re just say, well, maybe I need to rethink that. Let me ask you these questions here. Oh, I see. I, I, I skipped over part of my notes here. Get, I'm going to get back on track here. Talk about passion and emotion. You can only care about a limited number of things, and music needs to be one of them. Music in our church, it needs. To, if we're going to say, you know, I'm going to give a special, and now here I am talking about the choir, people singing here. But it also comes down to philosophy of the church, philosophy of why we do what we do. Why does this church hold traditional uh, why are we trying to conserve traditional music? Because we have a goal, we have a purpose. And if we're going to be giving these offerings, it must be a sacrifice of time. We must care about it. We must guard against apathy, or else singing will become a duty. And then the third thing is it must be our best. And this is something else that I had to, to confess. Sometimes when you've been doing something your whole life, you can do something passable without putting a lot of effort into it. But it, we should be giving our best. What do we see all throughout the Old Testament? What were the offerings supposed to be? A spotless lamb. The best lamb. Not the one that was, might die anyway. So there's no value to me. So I'm going to give that to God. No. <laughs> that's, that's giving freebies to God. The things that you don't want anymore. It needs to be a sacrifice. Our best is not the same as professional. Obviously, like I said, we're not getting paid, so we're not just spending all of our time honing our skills. And if you're striving for perfection in every little area of your music ministry, I think you're, you're, you're missing out on something. I think you're going to be discouraging for, uh, people rather than encouraging people. But that doesn't mean we should have no standards for quality. Uh, if we went over to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, I need to be done here. I need to get, just finish up so we won't turn there. But 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, is another section. It's really talking about tongues, but there's an interesting phraseology in there. He's saying when you people speak in tongues, it needs to be understood because it has no value if you don't understand what people are saying. And then he, there's a phrase in there where he says, even if it's with an instrument, playing on an instrument, if it's not distinct and people don't understand it, then what's the point? And obviously in that case, he was using that as an example of tongues. 
but really it's a great principle we can apply in our church. Should, we have, should anybody just come up here that hasn't practiced and they do a terrible job on the song and everybody, nobody is encouraged, what is everybody, nobody even understood what, what song were they playing. No words come to the mind. Then what was the point? So yes, there should be some standards for what we do in our church. There's a, there's a purpose that we're aiming for. It should be good. It shouldn't just be terrible. We should have some standard. But we also, we shouldn't be striving for perfection. But every individual should be striving to give their best. That means my best might be better than somebody else's best. Or somebody else's best might be better than my best. But we know, don't we? We're the one giving the offering. We're the one giving, sacrificing our time. We're pouring our emotions into it. We're saying, well, I am going to give this offering to God. I'm going to do the best I can. And I think that comes, that even comes down to the congregational singing. When you come to church, it shouldn't just be the thing we do. It should be, I've come to church, I'm going to sing to God. And I mean, I have the best voice, but I'm going to sing to God. Now, that doesn't mean loud. Loud doesn't just, you know, if I'm going to sing to God the best I can, that means be as loud as I can. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying if you sing quietly, that's wrong. But where's your heart? Is your heart in it? You need to be adding to the whole of the congregation and not distracting from it. So, what is the point of music in our church? I haven't given you anything just to tell you, well, this is the bad music, this is the good music. I'm talking more about what is the goal? What does the Bible say? Let me just reiterate that. God is worthy to be praised. We're commanded to teach and admonish one another. And music is a part of God's amazing design to accomplish His will of sanctification. I have really been encouraged by this music conference. I really want to step some things up. I want to do more with instruments. I've started teaching my kids some instruments. If you play an instrument, I would invite you to come talk to me. Maybe we can, can do more with instruments. But it will take time. It will take time to come and practice. We may have to start coming early to practice instruments. You might say, well, I don't want to do that. I give, I give God enough time as it is. Could you give him 15 more minutes, 20 more minutes? Maybe, now... Maybe you say, I don't, this doesn't apply to me at all because I don't do music at all. Throw the music part out. There is more to worshiping God than music. Much more. What are you offering to God? Is it just your presence? God doesn't need your presence sitting in a pew. What is, what is your sacrifice to God? What are you giving to God? All right, we need to be done. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your truth. hope something that I said, something that was from your word, was valuable. Help us all to understand and be searching for how can we see your worthiness and give our best to you, whether it's music or just our efforts in other areas in the church. Bowing to you with our life. That's what worship is. Help us to worship you in every area and sacrifice our best for you. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Asked largely, how much heart are you putting into your music and uh, the sacrifice that we're given? We need to analyze ourselves. Every single one of you, at some level, is a musician because you have hymn books in front of you and you guys open them up and you guys sing in the congregations, right? So that makes you some sort of a musician, okay? And that's your moment, that's your opportunity to lift that sacrifice of praise to God. So I'd, I ask you guys tonight to analyze yourself, say, am I giving God that sacrifice? Am I truly giving him my heart? And am I giving him my best? So let's go ahead and stand and we'll have the piano play. If you want to come down to the altar and talk to the Lord about your worship, just make a commitment to say, Lord, I'm not going to be passive. I'm not going to sit back and let others do the worship of you but I want to be involved in that worship as well.